Chapter twenty three of Countdown by Kurt Becker SJ. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Maria Therese. Three. Far away, urgently, someone was calling him. Ned heard the sound clearly through the roaring red black mist that surrounded him. It was faint in distance, but he knew he had to answer it. He had to. Desperately, he struggled through the redness toward the sound, impelled by the urgency of it. His feet were lead, his breath was a hot agony in his body, but he had to keep trying. Suddenly the red mist dissipated, and there was coolness on his face, light in his eyes. He saw Deborah and Mike and Walt, their anxious faces floating above him, far away, then suddenly sharp and clear and close. The pain washed over him then, like a wave, and in spite of himself he moaned. His mouth had an acrid salt taste in it, familiar and nauseating. Walt's face wore horror on it. He looked as if he were about to be sick. Deborah's face was tear-stained. Mike looked as if carved out of granite. "'I'm not supposed to speak to you,' Ned muttered, and Walt's face wavered, tears suddenly running down it. "'Easy, boy,' Mike's voice came from a great distance. "'Easy does it.' He was aware, then, that the pain was not one big wave. It was a hundred, a thousand separate and distinct pains, each one throbbing with his own individual hurt. He closed his eyes and opened them again, trying to understand, trying to remember. Owen. The barn? he asked, forcing his voice thickly through his throat. He was aware of other things then. The taste in his mouth was blood. His shirt was gone. There was a great rent in his trousers. Help me up, he said. Relief flooded their faces for a moment, washed away the horror and the anger and the anxiety. Their hands were gentle. What a beating, he heard Walt say. They're insane, Mike said crisply. They must be. The room reeled as Ned sat up, steadied, reeled again. Mike put an arm under his shoulder and lifted him to his feet. We've got to get him to the house, Deborah said. No, Mike replied. They'll be back, and that's the first place they'll look. We can't take chances. They're crazy. We'll go to Amanda's. They won't think of looking there. Can you walk, Ned? Ned tried, stumbled. Mike's strong arm held him up. The world began to spin dizzily about him again. He felt himself slipping down a long black incline and scrabbled furiously back to the light. He was aware that he was moving, not walking, but bouncing gently, his head on Mike's shoulder, his arm around Mike's neck. He felt the rain on his face, on his arms, and shoulders. It was cold and pleasant and soothing. He heard dimly the sound of the car starting and felt the wind on his face as lights whirled past. Then he was on a bed, and deft, gentle hands were on him, hurting, but somehow soothing, and he let the darkness swallow him up. The pain awakened him, pain in his side, burning pain along his back. He opened his eyes. Mike was still there beside him, and he remembered then, in a flash, what had happened. They were too much for me, he said to Mike. They were too strong. He coughed. I hurt. It was pretty bad, Mike. It was awful. He paused. Was I out long? Not long. Mike shook his head. Walt saw them drag you into the barn, so he rushed up to Deborah's and called me. My car took a while to start, and when I got there they were gone. Walt says they ran away half a minute before I came, saying something about being afraid you were dead. You'll be all right, though. Can you sit up? Ned sat up stiffly. The room stayed put. Walt's out getting you something to wear, Mike said, sitting on the edge of the bed and placing a gentle hand on his shoulder. Your clothes are a mess, what was left of them. Torn and filthy, you must have put up quite a scrap. Didn't do much good, 
Ned shuddered. They were too much. Rob got my shirt. It wasn't fair. They kicked when I was down. Owen's chap was the worst. I didn't know they made pain like that. I blacked out, I think. Don't wonder. Your back's a mess. Nothing broken, though, thank God. I don't think there'll be any scars, either. How do you feel? One big ache with a lot of little aches on top of it. Mike smiled at him. Turn over. I have some stuff here I want to rub on your back. It'll sting a little at first, but it's good for you. You can scream if you like. You're entitled to it. I don't think I screamed, Ned said. I remember swearing I wouldn't. Ouch, take it easy. That's sore. Sorry. Feel better? Nice and cool. Walter came in with a bundle, dungarees, a soft windbreaker jacket, a pair of shower slippers. His face was white. His eyes danced with excitement. Listen, he said. Hear that? They strained their ears. From outside, faintly, they heard the sound of sirens, of loud voices. Amanda Deeb and Deborah came into the room, alarm on their faces. Mike flung open the window, and the sound was much clearer. It was two or three blocks away, they judged. The sons of vigilantes, Walt said, his voice shaking with excitement. Kingsley sent out a call. They're getting the whole crowd together. What on earth for? Amanda asked. I heard a couple of them talking. Kingsley said Best kidnapped you, Ned. He's going to swear all the sons in as special police, and they're going out to rescue you. He's already sent out a call for a bulldozer to knock down the fence. He's going to give them all guns, and they swear they're going to rescue you, even if they have to blow up the compound to do it and shoot everybody in it. But that's silly, Deborah said. Ned's here. You've got to stop them, Mike, Ned said. Somebody's liable to be killed. Can't do a thing about it. Mike said slowly. Kingsley said on raiding Best. If we show them you're safe, he'll spring something else, like having proof that the Best people robbed the bank and shot Mr. Drew. Kingsley's got a white whistle he says the kidnappers dropped when they snatched you, Walt put in. The guys I heard said there was no doubt about it. Well, we'll have to warn them, Ned said. How, you know their phone number? Ned shook his head. Maybe Father Bolton does, Walt suggested. He must have been able to talk with Father Carson when he was in the compound. Mike picked up the phone, listened a moment, and then hung up. Too late. There's a man asking for a number, please. Means Kingsley won't let anyone phone best, even if we know the number. Can you walk? I can try, Ned said. Okay, you girls get out of here and let him dress. Only one thing to do. We'll have to drive down to the gate. Well, that's twenty miles, Walt objected. By that time they'll know. Any other ideas? Mike asked. Let's drive out to the church, Ned suggested. Father Bolton may think of something, and anyway, if he doesn't, we'll be too late. He was dressed now, the clothing a new pain to his bruised body. He took a few tentative steps. He was stiff, and it hurt in a hundred different ways and places, but he managed it and then turned to Mike with what he hoped was a smile. What about Debbie and Amanda? he asked. The noise was louder now. There were voices raised in furious shouts. Kingsley was stirring up his followers into a frenzy. They'll have to stay here, Mike decided. It's risky outside. But the girls had other ideas. It's risky here, too, Amanda said, her freckles standing out vividly against her pale face, her voice unexpectedly firm. Besides, a woman's place is by her man. Do you think I'm going to let you go out and get yourself shot or something while I wait around wringing my hands? Nothing doing. I go. I'm going to, Deborah announced. You can leave me at the church. They won't look for me there. She was pale. Owen wouldn't think of that. 
All right, Mike shrugged. Let's go. I only hope the car starts this time. Give Ned a hand, Walt. Walt nodded and put his arm gently around Ned's waist. While Ned put his arm around the other's shoulder and winced a little at the firm grip on his waist. There was no point in arguing. He could walk after a fashion, but his knees were rubbery, and it was comforting to feel Walt's solid strength. Walt's right leg was withered, and he walked with a limp, but he suddenly seemed sturdy as an oak. He turned his face and smiled at Ned. Lean on me, brain, he said softly. That's what friends are for. End of chapter 23